You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. This is the word of the Lord. Paul finds himself in prison. It's uh, the last thing that he would write in the New Testament. Second Timothy is a letter that just exudes emotion and deeply felt uh, convictions. And this is Paul's opportunity to say to Timothy, this is really what matters to me and I want to pass it on to you. And Paul is literally in chains. But he seems to be able to find a ministry even while being chained, which is a remarkable thing. Uh, Paul would have every right to sit in prison and say, well, you know what, I'm I'm chained up. And most other Christians would probably understand that, wouldn't they? That, yeah, you know, Paul, take it easy. You don't don't have to uh, be so uh, uh, over the top about things and and maybe take a little bit of a break and let your ministry lay fallow until uh, this Uh, time in prison ends, but of course we know that his time in prison would end uh, with his death. And so Paul in chains, realizing that his life is probably at an end, uh, has all the more reason to proclaim the gospel and reminds Timothy and reminds us that God's word is not chained. I hesitate to compare the chains of Paul to the metaphysical chains we've worn in 2020. And we continue to wear even now in 2021. But I think it's right to say that we find ourselves restrained. Unfettered access for the sake of ministry no longer exists. Things that we took for granted before COVID uh, now just aren't a possibility. And even for those who would attempt such kinds of ministry, it may actually exact a heavy price, whether contracting COVID on a visit, uh, or maybe spreading COVID while on a visit. There are also those in ministry who, in the midst of all of this, have decided to let things lay fallow. They will wait out COVID and attempt to pick up where they left off, whenever that may be. But here at the Advent, we have attempted to navigate a different course. Very early on, we realized that we could not take the kind of ministry we were doing and tweak it to suit our COVID context. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, Very early on, we were talking about, well, what are we going to do about Vacation Bible School? And uh, remember back in March and April where we thought this would go on for a couple months and and we'll be able to figure it out? So we're trying to plan Vacation Bible School and we're thinking, well, it's probably going to happen, so let's move forward. But of course, as we were nearing June, we realized Vacation Bible School is probably not going to happen. And uh, I won't name names, but somebody said, uh, I was talking to uh, somebody not on our staff. Uh, Thankfully, I had this conversation before I had the conversation with their staff, who said, you know what we're going to do is we're going to, give supply lists to all the parents and we're going to make videos that they can upload and they can run their own VBS for their kids at home. And I said, as a parent who had to homeschool kids last semester, 
that isn't going to happen. There's no way I'm running VBS for my kids. And so what we couldn't do is just to take what we would normally do and try to shove it into a COVID mold. We had to think outside the box. We had to really get in touch with our convictions and say, what is it that we believe and what is it that we're trying to convey, whether that be to VBS or Sunday mornings or whatever it may be. And of course it's not perfect, but what kind of vehicles do we have to create from the ground up? in order to move the gospel. And it's felt like during COVID that we're building this plane as we're flying it. And surely we've made mistakes along the way, but I'm really grateful for the advent that the gospel continues to go out. And I think that we appreciate the ministry of the advent more than we ever have. In August of 2019, Tony Payne, one of the authors of The Trellis and the Vine, and Craig Glassick of a ministry called Vine Growers helped lead a staff retreat for us. Now, even before COVID, we had been trying to change the way we had been doing ministry for a couple years, but we needed a stronger nudge to make necessary changes. The necessity was not brought about because we were doing anything wrong per se, but our convictions as a church were not necessarily informing our practices. We kind of did things the way we did them because that's the way we always have done them. This disconnect caused us to be ineffective in many areas of our ministry. We were still operating under a Christendom model that aimed primarily to be a pastoral presence that was there when someone was in need. But we needed to shift to an evangelism and disciple-making model building on the strong foundations built by previous generations of Adventers. At the Advent, we are good at engaging people. When they first come in, we give a good first impression. We sort of are able to get our hooks in them. We're very good at establishing, that is, once you're here, kind of trying to get you and make you feel like you're a part of the whole. But generally, we are weak in evangelism, and we're weak in equipping people. So if you want to look at a scale model, uh, the first thing that happens, if if someone's first coming to the Advent, we first want to engage them. And then after we engage them, uh, we want to evangelize them. And after we evangelize them, we want to establish them to make them feel like they're a part of a church family. And then we want to equip them to go out to engage, to evangelize, and to establish and to equip. And most churches, ours is no exception, find it very difficult to do the evangelizing and the equipping. And then came COVID. COVID actually provided us the opportunity to make this shift because the situation demanded that we change the way we do things. Someone once remarked that COVID is going to be called the great accelerator. That is that things that probably didn't have much of a shelf life before think department stores, uh, think any number of things, uh, and that might have stuck around for a couple more years, but because of COVID, they're saying that just in eight months of COVID accounted for five normal years. And so that's why we saw the rapid acceleration of bankruptcies and and closings, uh, and mostly by areas of business that simply refused to change with the times. And I don't mean their convictions, but they were not able to adapt to the culture around them. 
And so though we would always refuse to change our convictions here at the Advent, COVID forced us to ask the question, well, how are we going to do ministry differently? How are we going to reach our people? How are we going to stay connected? And truth be told, we felt pretty chained. I couldn't pick up the phone and ask someone, hey, last time this happened, how did you handle it? This is all brand new. And if we really all knew what we were doing, we would have all invested in masks and latex gloves back in February. We all would have done that, and maybe some of you did. I'll check your pledge card. But even though we might be in chains, how are we, as Paul commends us to do, remembering Jesus Christ in spite of the chains, or maybe even because of the chains? The chains that we find ourselves in should not necessarily be avoided, but should be seen as a part of God's providential plan to bring the nations to himself. And we've faced some real difficulties in 2020. One of the things that I typically do in my annual address is this is where I I air uh, my own Uh, penance uh, to you where uh, I admit where I feel like I've let the congregation down. And one of the ways that I feel that I failed you pastorally is amongst people who are 50 and older. And I think that for the longest time at the Advent, we had a staff where at a minimum, if you were in that demographic of 50 and older, you could look up front and see That's somebody who's experienced what I've experienced in life. That's somebody that I can identify with. And uh, believe it or not, uh, Craig Smalley is the old man on the staff. And he's starting to look it. Uh, You can't tell because he's wearing a mask, but he looks terrible. And, uh, And of course, our congregation does skew younger. We are significantly younger than the average Episcopal church by decades. Uh, Our average parishioner is about 37 years of age, and that is a good thing. But I think that in some of the ways that we've gone about making changes at the Advent, even during COVID, I realize that I may have unnecessarily alienated many who are 60 and older. You may not have felt listened to, and you may have felt passed over when important decisions were being made. You may feel like the advent that you once knew was changing, and that change has led you to feel a sense of loss. I had hoped uh, that uh, we might be able to move in the right direction by intentionally trying to bring somebody on staff, not just because of their age, uh, but because of their gift and skill set, and we actually did extend a call to the Reverend Chuck Collins. Uh, Chuck was going to come and be with us uh, and really have a particular ministry to the 50, 60, and older crowd, and uh, that was all going well until the Bishop of Alabama refused to license him. And so the hope was to bring someone like Chuck on board. And it wasn't thought that, well, now that we've got Chuck on board, that'll fix everything. But it was at least an attempt to meet that need. And I want you to know two things if you're in that demographic or if you're someone who feels the things that I just described. Uh, The first thing is, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you felt like I left you behind. And yes, I, I should have reached out and been more intentional about engaging you over those issues. 
And secondly, I want you to know that I'm well aware of them, and we really are working hard at the Advent to try to meet that great need here in our church family. One of the other great difficulties that we've had is uh, our Sunday gatherings. It's so important to who we are and what we do at the Advent when we gather on Sundays. I was astounded by the number of people who are actually tuning in. And if you look at your statistics on the back of uh, the report, they really don't tell the whole story. And so when it says live stream only from March 15th to August 16th, 1,893... That doesn't represent individuals, that represents the number of devices that were tuning into our live stream. And so for the Pearson household, one represents five people. We had regular viewership in every single continent except South America and Antarctica. And trust me, I've already been on the communications team as to why we can't break into the South American market. Uh, but uh, it's really a, a remarkable thing that has come, out, uh, come about as a result of COVID. Now, we wouldn't have been able to have this kind of reach. And I know for many of you, having these live streams was a real lifeline. But we also know that it wasn't a real substitute for gathering together in person as God's people. And so we made the decision to hold our services in a parking lot. Now, if I had done that three years ago, y'all would have fired me and ran me out of town. You would have thought this man is completely and totally crazy. Uh, But how many of us were grateful just to be worshiping with our brothers and sisters in a parking lot? It was an amazing and remarkable thing, and I've referred to it as our tabernacling period, but I want you to know that we're still in a tabernacling period. And I know that some people have said, well, I'm not really happy about how things have gone. Uh, I don't like what you've done to the 9 o'clock, or I don't like what you've done to the 11 o'clock. Well, I want you to know that there is no such thing anymore as a 7.30, a 9, 11, or a 5. For the time being, they're gone. And so it would be wrong to equate the 9.15 with the 9. It would be wrong to equate the 11.15 with the 11. And it would be wrong to think that, well, this is the way that it's going to be or this is the way it's not going to be. As I said, we're building this as we're flying it. And we really are trying our best to minister to our congregation as a whole. And so what I hope might happen is people might say, you know what, the way we're doing things right now, maybe not my cup of tea, but praise God, the gospel's going out. Praise God, the gospel's being proclaimed. Praise God, lives are being changed. And it's really caused us, I think, to look much more outwardly than we used to. That when we make decisions, it's not so much just how will the congregation respond, but how will this advance the gospel? And so when someone comes up to me and says, well, I don't like the thing, the whatever happened last week, and I said, well, good, we'll probably change it next week. We just don't know. And I think that it's probably true that we can look forward to six to nine months more of this kind of tabernacling ministry, especially as it concerns our Sunday gatherings. I certainly long uh, to go back to the way that we did things before. I think many of us desire that. But at the same time, I don't want to lose the blessings that we've experienced in COVID. So many of us are always trying to live in the future. 
or even to live in the past. And Paul and his chains could have easily just reminisced about, hey, remember that great ministry we had in Ephesus? Or he could have spent all of his time saying, I just can't wait to get out of my chains. But no, he said, where is God working while I'm chained? What is he doing now? Because if I'm trying to live in the past and I'm trying to live in the future, then I'm actually going to miss out on what God is doing now. I need to remember Jesus Christ right now. And so that's what we've attempted to do in instituting a more relational ministry where we're trying our darndest to equip you to gossip the gospel to your friends, your family, to your neighbors. I do want to take just a second to give a couple attaboys to those, uh, especially on staff, who have done such a remarkable job. Our communications team uh, is fantastic. That was a decision that we made uh, last uh, 2019. We decided we were going to bulk that up by bringing Krista Cordova on board as our director of communications. And we made what in the moment seemed like a really difficult decision, and that is we were going to get off the radio and we were going to put a camera in the back and live stream our services in January of 2020. So we were ahead of the curve on that. Now, we upped our game considerably because initially it looked like we had gotten a camera from a 7-Eleven and put it back in the back and, you know, you kind of uh, went in, got milk and got out. But, uh, but we really were already set up and equipped to do that. And so I want to say thank you to the communications team, uh, Will Sledge and others who have just done a remarkable job. And for those of you who still tune in on the live stream, how amazing is it? to be able to have that kind of work. And, and actually, you need to know that when the hymns are up on the screen or when the reading's up on the screen, there's somebody in the moment, in real time, putting that up there. Uh, it's, it's a real labor of, of love and requires a lot of man hours. But because the gospel is important, we're, this is what we're about. It's worth every moment. I want to say uh, another attaboy to our shepherding ministry which was a remarkable thing. All those who have volunteered as shepherds and Matt Schneider and the staff who coordinated Michael Weeks and now Wes Sharp, who is on board with us. Uh, but we realized we have to have a better way of communicating with our congregation. Uh, we have to be able to locate members of our congregation who can take on a smaller flock and just keep tabs on them and pray with them and uh, read scripture with them and, and find out what their needs are and how the church can best minister to it. And of course, that all goes up to Craig Smalley and his pastoral care team, many of those needs being met in that department. Uh, but it was a wonderful thing that we hope to continue on with, uh, even beyond COVID. Our small group ministry has become invaluable, and I know that some of y'all may have been meeting and now you're not meeting anymore, uh, but the small group ministry has become a real lifeline. And for the longest time, we used to say about small groups that, hey, if you want to be involved in a small group, be involved in a small group. Uh, but I think COVID has shown us that it's absolutely essential to be in a small group. It's absolutely essential to be in God's word with brothers and sisters. It's absolutely essential pastorally to be in a small group so that you can care for one another in a way that a big church has a really hard time doing. And so small groups have been uh, fantastic. Other staff members, Brad uh, Horn and his sextons, uh, were always on hand for the ever-changing plans in building and property use. Uh, it, it's it's already a big operation around here, but they've done a phenomenal job. 
Brian Helm, in his wise stewardship and extensive knowledge of our ministry, has allowed for an end-of-year surplus. So of, of all the things at the end of 2020, we can say, praise God, we've ended in the black. And, praise God, we actually, uh, as a footnote, uh, our stewardship is already higher than it was for 2020, going into 2021. A testimony that God is actually working in this place and changing lives. Zach Hicks and Gil Cracky uh, for making the parking lot services happen and then uh, making the indoor services happen. If it weren't for those two, uh, we wouldn't have gotten uh, in the parking lot, nor would we have been here. Our youth ministry, our children's ministry, uh, y'all have done remarkable things uh, in the midst of all this, and uh, Cameron and your team are certainly on the front lines, uh, and you're more like Calvin and his pastors in Geneva, ministering to the plague people uh, as you are doing youth ministry, and you're, you've just been so faithful, and I'm grateful for that. Fred and the choir, uh, that really torpedoed our choir, COVID, <laughs> Um, because you can't gather 40 people right next to one another singing on top of one another. And their willingness to be flexible and understanding concerning, we just can't have the kind of full ministry that we would long to have. And yet here they are week in and week out as a part of our ministry team, praising God and helping us to praise God. Our band uh, that really showed its, uh, the benefit of its versatility when we were in the parking lot and even as we gather here on Sunday mornings. Uh, all of this under very trying and demanding circumstances. And I'd also like to thank the Vestry for their patience uh, as we've tried to navigate a, a really difficult year. You've been very patient with me and very encouraging, and I'm grateful. And finally, you, uh, the congregation, uh, for your flexibility and your understanding. I'm especially grateful for those of you who continue to pray for the Advent and those of you who encourage me in particular. Uh, the kind notes, uh, the, the texting, uh, passages of Scripture, uh, the prayers that uh, I and the Advent feel uh, really means everything. And uh, I, I don't know that we could have done it uh, without your encouragement in the Lord uh, over these past 12 months. Well, it would be easy just to allow our ministry to lie fallow. I know plenty of folks who are doing just that. They may say, we'll get back to ministry when COVID blows over. But my great fear is that for some of them, when they return, they won't have any ministry to get back to. And so for us at the Advent, though we may be chained, we don't want to lose this gospel moment. We want to take advantage of it. We want to drive home the mission that's, that's been given to us because we know that God's word is not chained. And so as we head into 2021, uh, I have great hope, uh, as Paul had great hope, because we serve the one who is greater uh, than he who is in this world and challenges us to take heart, for he has overcome the world. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we entrust the Advent to you after a very difficult year. Uh, Lord, ministry is difficult in general, and Lord, it's, it's not lost on us uh, the remarkable work that you have done in our midst. Uh, just when we felt like we were at our, were at our end and when things just weren't able to progress and when we were hitting dead ends, 
uh, there you were. And so, Lord, we thank you, the God of dead ends and the God of second, third, and fourth and umpteen chances. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to visit us in 2021, that you would pour your mercy out upon us, and, Lord, that we would live into the confidence that your word is not chained, even though we may be. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.